Netflix's new growth strategy, the top places to work in the US, and how to respond to a not-so-friendly email. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Hello, welcome to Working Girl Talk. I'm your host, Abby Zufel. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have lots to get through, but hope you're having an awesome day. Let's get started. So remember a little movie called To All the Boys I've Loved Before? (laughs) You may have heard me mention it last week or in previous episodes. Netflix has released the sequel, which I had talked about last week, and it was amazing. But even if you don't have Netflix, you can still watch the first one. In an effort to bring more subscribers, The Verge reported that Netflix is letting everyone watch the first movie for free until March 9th. They're hoping that this might get more people to subscribe, sign up, and stay because they want to watch the sequel, and then they'll just end up staying because of all the other content on there. Netflix has actually previously tested out this strategy in the UK with the TV show The Crown, and for regional shows in India, Mexico, and Colombia. But this is the first time it's offering a free movie in the U.S. I think this is a great idea. It's so smart because To All the Boys I've Loved Before has actually had some really great traction outside of Netflix, so in the media, on social media. So if you are not a Netflix subscriber, you've probably seen it around. So I think this is actually a really smart tactic, and I would definitely watch the first one. If you are not a Netflix subscriber, do it. It's so good. So cute. Also, I may have to take back what I said last week. If you have watched, you know how torn you are in the second one between Team John, Team Peter. Honestly, I do not know anymore. John really won me over with that piano number. Can we believe that? (laughs) Really smart Netflix. And if you are not a Netflix subscriber, definitely tune in and watch. Next story. This week, Great Place to Work, the Global Authority on Workplace Culture, in partnership with Fortune, published their 23rd annual ranking of the 100 best companies to work for. Are you ready for this? (laughs) This is always a fun list to cover. So according to Great Place to Work, here we go. The top 10 best companies to work for this year are number one, Hilton, two, Ultimate Software, Three, Wegmans Food Markets. It's like a grocery store chain. I think that's like an East Coast thing. Four, Cisco. Five, Workday. Six, Salesforce. Seven, Edward Jones. Eight, Stryker, which is a manufacturing company. Nine, American Express. Ten, Kimpton Hotels and Restaurants. So we had hospitality at number one and number 10. So kind of capping off this big group here. So Business Wire actually shared some interesting findings about this. 37% of this year's 100 best companies have a workforce that is more than 50% female. Lots of working girls out there. I love to hear it. Tune in. 12% of the companies on the list pay 100% of healthcare benefits for full-time employees. Millennials represent 49% of the workforce at the 100 best companies, while Gen Z employees constitute 2% of their teams. So a little bit more about this survey slash study that they do every year. So they conduct the largest ongoing annual workforce study representing more than 4.1 million employees 
just this year alone. And employees respond to a survey of over 60 questions describing the extent to which their organization creates a great place to work. I always love to hear what this list is. So it's cool to see that there are so many tech companies just within within this top 10. So we have four tech companies and then two hospitality, one grocery and one finance, actually two finance and one manufacturing. A kind of an eclectic group here, but it's always interesting. I feel like in the past recent years, tech has definitely dominated that top 10 and it's the same here. So we have four from there, which is the most in any category. The next story is also another list. So another list was actually published recently. 24-7 Wall Street released it their best and worst places for business. So they created a weighted index of 42 different measures to identify best and worst states for business. So this is reference to like starting a business, owning a business, all that. They had a lot of different measurements, including skill and level of workforce, quality of life, regulations, technology, innovation, cost of living, all of these different things. So you want to hear the best and worst states for business. The top five best are one, Massachusetts, two, Utah, three, Colorado, four, Washington, five, North Dakota. So a little bit across the board there, but if you are in any of those states, that is a great state to start a business according to them. So Massachusetts come in hot at number one. So West Virginia actually came in as the worst state for business in their analysis. In the reasoning for West Virginia's place as the worst for business. So it just fell poor in a lot of the rankings that they base it off of, including economy, infrastructure, human capital measures. But one of the striking things was that it has projected population decline over the next decade, as well as the largest expected decline in working age residents. So uh, there we go. So I think if there's not like a positive outlook on that for workforce, then probably that's what put them behind. So interesting stuff. I think West Virginia, there's still hope for you guys. So there you have it. Always something interesting to look at. Now for our working girl topic of the week. Maybe you've received a per my last email, or maybe it was an FYI. What about a please advise? (laughs) The world of workplace emails can be confusing. And let's face it, unproductive, but it is an essential way to communicate in the workplace and keep track of previous conversations and tasks. So we need it, but it may not always be the best thing about our day. I recently got into an emailing frenzy at work and it definitely sparked the inspiration for this episode. So I was in a situation where I was approving some content and kind of the back and forth on, I think we should do this. And then, oh, well, we're doing it like this because of this reasoning and a lot of back and forth. And I didn't like how I was feeling after because I felt like, oh, I feel like I'm getting undermined. But I know on their end, they probably were like, oh, like why? Like, I don't like how I'm feeling either. So I think both sides just kind of left that situation like, like, I don't like this. But also, I feel like I made some rookie mistakes in there. After I get home from the day and assessing what happened, I'm like, I could have done better. And I need to share this because I made some rookie mistakes here. And not that like, it was mean or disastrous or anything like everything's all good, but like it could have been a better experience for everyone instead of just like some email back and forth nonsense that eventually we got to the point, but at the same time, it took a long time, a lot of emails throughout the day, and then they weren't like the most happy emails. So 
And I feel like it just could have been more productive because we're all about that productivity in the workplace, right? So we're going over some tactical steps you can use when you receive that mean email at work or even just that email that's like, what? Like that confusing email as well. Tip number one, after you receive an email that's shocking, mean, but when it kind of takes you off guard, that feeling, number one, step away from the desk. This is that rookie mistake that I actually didn't follow recently. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I need to share this because you need to step away from the desk. If you respond in a flurry, like, oh, I'm so upset or, oh, I need to defend myself. It does not turn out good for anyone because you're so heated up that you maybe say something that maybe it's not true, or it even maybe you say something that's true and correct and right, but maybe it comes off a little harsher than it could be. And it will create excess drama. So step away from the desk, go on a walk, preferably go on a walk outside, just like five minutes, walk around the building, walk around the street, get some sun, take a break, step away. And if possible, if this is something you can do, I would probably like, if it's like an email at the end of the day, whoa, step away from the desk, go home, sleep on it, and then respond in the morning. Just because you do not want to make a rash decision on this. And especially with tone, with that being so important in emails, you do not want to respond in a heated manner. So step away from the desk and nobody gets hurt. Number two, when you are responding acknowledge what they've said. I think sometimes where this gets a little frustrating for people is when the person just emails you right back and you can tell that they still have their own agenda, probably didn't read what they said and don't care because that's what causes a lot of upset, hurt feelings or an animosity in the workplace is when you don't feel heard and when you feel like basically when you feel like your ideas aren't heard or being acknowledged. So acknowledge what they said, like, wow, I appreciate your insight or that you make a great point about X, Y, and Z. So even if you are going to combat it in some way, acknowledge what you've heard and appreciate them taking the time to share something because you can't control how other people act. You can only control how you act and you have the power to make the situation better and a more positive experience for everyone. Number three, frame your response in a way to help them. So if they are upset about something, acknowledge what they've said and then say, wow, I really want to get us back on track. Here's what we can do. I think that is always the best way because people appreciate when you're trying to help them. So if they are upset about something, frame it in a way that you're trying to help them. Or if there is some sort of disagreement about something, oh, I think we should do this and this because it can help you in this way. Or I think it'll be more mutually beneficial for both of us because of this. So really think about how I can help this person. And I think that's a great mindset to have as well, because then you maybe don't feel so much animosity toward the person who maybe just sent you a mean email. Like, wait, how can I help this person? How, how can we make this right on both sides? Number four, if this email is going to take more time for you than what it would take of just talking, try to figure out a way to talk to this person, whether like that's, hey, can we have a phone call about this? Or, hey, can I step into your office later? Because talking it out in person takes away one, the email back and forth that takes a lot of time out of the day. Crafting specific emails takes a lot of time. So talking out in person could save you a lot of time, but also it can save those hurt feelings on both sides because you see each other's expressions, those emotions, and you can tell how upset or not upset somebody is because emotions are hard to read in an email and maybe it seems harsh to you and, oh, I just got a mean email, but maybe it really wasn't. Maybe their intentions were not mean at all, but it just came across that way because they were upset. If you get a mean email, you respond back, 
they respond back with like with the same tone, same I guess level of mean. Propose to talk in person. Three times is where it stops. Like you, we need to settle this, and that's the also the mistake that I was like, I need to talk about this on the podcast because I think it was like six emails, if not that, and like multiple people getting involved in the situation I was in. So I think it's always best to just talk it out in person. Don't make that mistake because you could solve it in five minutes versus five hours throughout the day. Really try to talk it out in person, if not on the phone and see how you can make it right and make it better at least. And that way too, you can at least get a better understanding of what they are wanting or what they're upset about because in an email too, like they're not going to write a whole novel about why. So you can maybe get a better understanding that way. My last tip for this is I would say 90% of the time, It seems mean on purpose, but it's probably not what you think. So yes, sometimes emails do come across rude, but emails are also hard to display emotion. You don't know. They could just be a little upset at something else or upset about the situation, not directly at you, or maybe they just don't like using emojis. (laughs) I think trying not to take it too personally is the best way to go because this is the workplace. Do not take it too personally. And it is sad. I've received emails before that I'm like, whoa, I might cry. (laughs) Like there, there are some moments where, yeah, like it's a mean email and it's not fun, but Like I said, this last tip, do not take it too personal. They probably are not as upset as you feel like they are. That's why you need to take a step back, get away from the desk and come back because once you read it again, you'll probably see that it wasn't. Also, this is your chance to be the problem solver here fix the situation. Don't fall into, oh, I'm going to be mean right back. This is your chance to help someone to help solve a whole situation. And it's a good experience for you too, because it's kind of practicing that that workplace conflict resolution. It's a good experience. So as you're taking that walk, try to keep those things in mind too. It's better down the road to be the one to kind of help solve this problem and not fall into it than creating a bad relationship with this person over something trivial probably. So I hope those tips help and mean emails happen and maybe you've sent one too and I, I know I probably have but you, maybe you just didn't realize it so give a little grace to the people in the workplace and hopefully this can help solve some workplace conflicts too last but not least for my Friday favorite speaking of emails the schedule email feature in gmail is the best thing to ever happen so i work full-time and i run this podcast business my schedule is kind of crazy so a lot of the time i am writing emails to guests and to different people at night and i'm like i don't know if i want to send a message at like 10 p.m at night so i just use the drop down next to the send button in gmail and schedule it for the next morning and it has been life-changing so if you are not using that hack in your gmail account definitely do it thank you so much for listening to working girl talk we have so many amazing guests lined up and i'm so excited for you to hear them if anything resonated with you today or in past episodes please subscribe but also please review the podcast so give us five stars so that we can reach even more working girls all these working women at these top 100 places right (laughs) have an awesome day i will talk to you next week